You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Hey Mary, you remember when we were little and uh, all of us kids used to sit around and Dad used to read to us Plato's story of the allegory of the cave. Remember how great that? Did you ever? Is that? Did you grow up in the same family that I did? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought I remembered that. I, you know, I was thinking about it, and you know, I'm certain pretty much everybody has this top of mind. But I'll uh, risk going ahead and retelling it uh, quickly. You know what happened? It's actually Socrates. Uh, Socrates telling the story. Story. Plato, of course, records that in the Republic. And as he so often is, Socrates is talking to Glaucon, who is frequently kind of his foil, kind of the Costello to Socrates' abbot. And he tells an allegory. He said, suppose there were a cave and there were a group of people who are chained facing the blank wall of the cave and they can't move their head or their legs or anything. And they they spend their whole life there, so from when they're very, very little. And all they have ever seen is this blank wall and a set of shadows that appear on it. And the way that happens is there is a fire behind the people, and there's kind of a wall, and people walk back and forth. Now, you can't see those people, but they carry roughly like shadow puppets, various things, different, some really fantastic things. And those are beamed up on the wall. So for all their life, the people chained to the wall, all their life, this is what they see, these uh, shadows of sometimes fantastic things. Well, one person gets loose and climbs up and gets outside and sees the sun. He's actually almost blinded by the the sun. And there are a lot of things that happen there that I won't detail. But eventually, this person decides to return to the cave to see his old friends and tell them, this is not reality down here. There is a real world up there. There's a sun. There are people. They're in three dimension. Everything's there. What you're seeing is not the truth. It's not reality. The people don't want to hear that. They said, that's nonsense. If you went out, if there was a sun, you would be burned and you'd be blind. And they are so outraged by the person who comes back and tells them this is not true, that they decide to kill him because they just cannot accept that. Just thinking about how dad used to read that to us. Kind of makes me a little sentimental. But here's the reason I'm thinking about it now. Isn't the Republican Party the allegory of the cave right now? There are all these people who have been looking at these shadows that say the election was stolen. Donald Trump is really the president. All these kind of things. For so long, they believe it's the reality. And that person who escaped and came back down, Lynn Cheney. And she comes and she says, listen, guys, and this, by the way, is really all she has said. Donald Trump is not telling you the truth. He did not win the election. We should stop saying that. 
And what do the Republicans in the cave say? Kill her! Kill her! She's telling a lie. That can't be true. I. What do you think? Have I made a good application of Plato here? I think you have, and I think that's a lot to discuss. But one thing I need to correct both me and you on is it's Liz Cheney, and her oh, and mom is Lynn Cheney, is, and we keep calling her Lynn Cheney. We but it's, do. It's we Liz have a Cheney. bad. We have a bad reality. We live in a whole other reality, which is we can't believe that we are somehow talking well about a Cheney, but that's a different issue. Okay, but we're talking about Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. So back to the allegory, Um, I think it's true. I mean, people hate truth tellers because we become so uh, enamored of our narrative And I really think that's what's happening. And for whatever reason, because she really does believe in the Constitution and the United States, um, as it stands as a democracy, she's decided to be a truth teller. I mean, she's a very moral person. I don't know. Um, But they are, Kevin McCarthy, the first among them, they're just tired of her. Right? Didn't he say that? I'm That's, sick of her. Why doesn't yeah. she shut up? Doesn't she? She needs to get with the program. And the program is this is our reality now. We've got to kiss ass to the guy in Mar a Lago. And we can't have her running around telling the truth. It's not good for business. You know, it comes back to the question I know we can't answer. Why? Why? this continued need to profess obedience and loyalty to Donald Trump, the man who lost the election. An election, we've said before, he could have won if he had only done something to handle uh, the pandemic, he could have won it. If he had only you know, curbed his need for Twitter and so forth, he could have won it. But he's not the president now. And yet, for some reason, that still is the animating principle of being a Republican. You know, I mean, one of the things about Liz Cheney is she's very conservative in kind of a, oh, 2000 way of being conservative. Could we call it, I'm sorry to interrupt you, could we call it a uh, Vice President Dick Cheney kind of way? Yes. And so, especially on foreign policy and those kinds of issues. And you know, the party really has moved beyond that. So part of it, I think for her is, as we've talked about, it's her disloyalty to Trump. But I think part of it is is that the party, the Republican party, particularly in the House of Representatives has moved on and they've moved on with their voters because as a part of the United States, a part of the population of the United States, grew to this kind of grievance, uh, culture war politics, the old school Republicans, uh, Dick Cheney, Liz Cheney, way of looking at the world, George Bush, those Republicans, both the base and the Josh Hawley's of the world, they don't see themselves as that kind of Republican, nor do they respect those views anymore. So is it Trump? Yes, I think there's a cult of personality 
but is also him as the representation of a new brand of Republican politics. And so I think there's some, in some ways, she's, she's old school and she's easy to leave behind, as is Mitt Romney. I mean, he's very conservative, socially, economically. He was like the perfect Republican candidate, but he's not really one with them anymore either. But you know, the interesting thing is, I think you're right. The party has moved on. But the question, of course, is moved on to what? And use the word grievance. I think that is part uh, nativism, certainly. Uh, they don't like to hear it, but white, white supremacism. Uh, you know, is that what they've become? You look through, and we have several very identifiable critical issues today. The racial divide and racism is a critical issue. Climate change, absolutely facing us. The infrastructure, we have to do something. Finishing, getting the pandemic behind us, we have to do something. Taking care of a good recovery, we have to do something. And you think through that list, what positive, workable suggestion have you heard from a Republican on any any one of those things on the list. I can't think of a single thing. I mean, I can hear hear the negativity. I can hear the criticism. But they are no longer a functioning part of solving problems, are they? No, I mean, they're not the party of ideas, which they really prided themselves of being in the Reagan years and post-Reagan years. They had the solutions to, you know, uh, folks not... Uh, being productive to, you know, how to move the economy forward. That that was really what animated that um, the Republican Party through the 80s and the 90s. But you're right. I think with the uh, election of Barack Obama, they no longer were the party of ideas and they just became the party of grievance and opposition. And Trump was the perfect candidate for that. It's like, you know, we got to hold on to some glory days that may or may not have ever existed. Um, and so there, when you think about Liz Cheney, then she's an old school Republican. Again, whether you agree with her policies or not, you know, she's somebody who still will argue that it was the right decision to evade Iraq. She's argued vociferously about not leaving Afghanistan. These are, this is not today's Republican Party. So I, yes, I think, and I, just to restate what I said, yes, I do think they want to get rid of her because she's disloyal to Trump, but I don't think it's the whole story, John. And, you know, McCarthy, he's just um, raw power, right? He just wants the speaker's job. But a lot of those folks that follow him, they have a different animating um, view of the world, and it's it's QAnon. It's like you say, it's a white supremacist. It's a kind of a populism. It's anti-science. You know, it's pro Dr. Seuss. Whatever crazy stuff it is, um, it's not about uh, managing the government and you know taking care of people's needs. This isn't what they're about. So, 
you know, maybe when you go back to the, you know, the the story you told at the beginning, the, the allegory, maybe what it is is she's coming back and saying, yes, <laughs> you know, what's really happening out there is that Biden did win and Trump lost. But also the people that are coming back to these guys and saying the world as you think it is, it's not that way. We live in a very diverse country where the young people are not necessarily white in the way that we've defined that. We have labor shortages that require immigration, right? We have a climate that needs our attention. This is the real world that we're living in and that Joe Biden is governing. And you can stay in your crazy Fox News world and listen to Tucker Carlson. But outside of these walls, real people are solving real problems to keep the United States a strong country. You know, I was thinking about what the Republicans want to do, what they want to be. I thought about a woman I, I saw in the news the other day who was at a Republican-type convention. She just about had tears in her eyes. Her voice was choking up when she was asked about why are you so devoted to Donald Trump? And she said, he got us winning again. This sort of thing, he got us winning again. And so I thought about it. Okay, you, you did get the tax cut for the rich. That was really the only major piece of legislation. You did not solve problems related to COVID, problems related to race. You didn't even get your, your wall built, any of those things. So where is the winning? And I think I know what it is. They feel they owned the libs. You know their phrase, mm -hmm. we own the libs. Uh, we could make the liberals go crazy. We could do whatever we wanted. For four years, the liberals danced to our song because all Donald Trump had to do was say something and they went crazy. And was Donald a little bit wacky in some of the stuff? He said, yeah, but it, it was good because we own the libs. And to them, I think that's the ultimate, that that's what they want to accomplish. And I think they're having a lot of trouble with it right now because the lib they would really like to be owning is Joe Biden, who just isn't that good of a lib, actually. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. So, the, so was the um, return of the libs and the nerds today when Facebook upheld the decision to ban Trump? And I'm sure Fox News will be going crazy tonight about that. So he's not going back on. It's not. I don't really remember him on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook. No. But a lot of uh, Facebook owns like, is it an Instagram or in YouTube? Well, they own Instagram. Yeah, Google owns uh, YouTube. But it oh, would Google be a break. And it would probably, uh, he would begin using Facebook more. He did and not the other thing, him. that was the main place where he, he was raising funds. So I think yeah. the concern was, will he be able to raise money for his triumphant return? So don't yeah. know. We'll have to see. Listen, I've got to go over. I'm going to go over and see my granddaughter, Hannah, uh, because tonight I want to read to her another story from the Republic. Uh, this one is uh, when Glaucon tells the story of the Ring of Gyges. 
Oh, she's going to be so excited about oh, that. Oh, she is. And I try and read it just the way Dad did to us. <laughs> oh, my God. See you later. I'll talk Bye. to you. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.